Yard Sports Studio. Here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. Going to be a Foo Fighters theme show today since they're going to be playing the sold-out Don Haskins Center about five hours from now when they take the stage around 9 o'clock tonight. In case you're wondering about the opening band at 7.30, that'll be the Breeders. Adrian, do you remember the Breeders? Because I was in college when the Breeders were popular. That tells you how long it's been. Not familiar with them, Steve, no. It was a female act, and they had one very, very popular song, and the song was called um, was was called Cannonball. And for those of you that are my age or in that same ballpark, you might remember the song Cannonball. But if not, here's a little bit of uh, how this song goes so you can kind of hear uh, how it starts up. Here we go. I guess I'm playing the official video of this. Let me see if we can actually get this song to start uh, the way it should. Let's see if I can speed this up a little bit. Here we go. Adrian, you never heard this song? No, I haven't. Let's put it this way. On the last these guys, uh, these ladies, I should say, were uh, popular enough that they probably were playing this when Nirvana was around. I mean, that's that that essentially is what this band dates back to. Breeders date back to the Nirvana days when grunge first got big back in the early 90s. That's when this song was popular. So, yeah. And to those of you that have... I mean, there's plenty of people that, you know, again, have heard this song... They will be opening up tonight for um, for um, the Foo Fighters. So anyway, that's coming up uh, here at the Haskins Center. This this show is so popular; it's sold out in the pre-sale. Like they never even were able to get to the regular tickets. It's sold out during the pre-sale, which is I can't even remember the last time a show did that around here. So that's a that's a big deal. Yeah, big deal, Steve. When we were out today at the Foster Stevens Center ahead of the press conference between Joe Golding and Keith Adams, uh, we saw people already camping out and getting ready for it. So I think people are really fired up about this one here in El Paso. Yeah, I do too. I do too. In fact, uh, let's talk about that because the press conference went down at 11 o'clock this morning. Is today the official uh, kickoff dinner for basketball? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I don't know if it's tonight. I feel like it's either tonight or next Thursday. I think it's tonight, if I'm not mistaken. I got to double check that. But um, I almost feel like it is tonight. And regardless, um, you know, they're going to have that soon. And I'm sure that's going to be a, um, you know, fun time for the fan base uh, to go uh, listen to both Keith Adams and Joe Golding preview the season and preview the teams, uh, which is going to be uh, big. So that's coming up. And as far as the uh, event today, a couple of takeaways, okay? A couple of takeaways. Number one, um, they had the new uniform that Zid Powell was wearing. And the uniform was an orange um, Adidas, all orange uh, Adidas jersey. And 
I think there's going to be plenty of of combinations, Adrian. I don't think this is just going to be one type of of jersey that they're going to be wearing. Feel like there's going to be quite a few of them when it's uh, when it's all said and done. Yeah, there's going to be six uniforms. Uh, of course, you got the six? three. Yes, yeah. So they, of course, have the three uh, orange, white, blue. It all makes sense, right? Then you're going to have uh, the gray jersey, which is the Los Minetas jersey. You're going to have the UTEP throwback jersey, which mm. you could assume is the Texas Western. And then I was told the special jersey, the sixth jersey that it, uh, no one really knows yet, but it's going to be a special commemorative jersey uh, that they'll be launching this year. So wait a minute. And by the way, dinner in the Don is three weeks from tonight. So I was completely okay, off. Got I'm you. off by three weeks. Okay, so it's October 26th. There's going to be dinner in the Don. And uh, what, tonight's the 5th? So yeah, three weeks from tonight. But um, let's get back to it. So they have the orange jerseys, the white jersey, the Texas Western jersey. That's three. Will there be a blue jersey? Yes, that's right. That's four. And then there's going to be two more jerseys? Yeah, the Los Minetas jersey usually is the gray one. Ah, that's right. So that's they five. usually do that one, and then a different one, just like a, one that they're not talking about yet. Oh, I know what that one's going to be. You probably do too, right? No. You don't. You really don't know what that's going to be? No, I don't. All right. Should I let the cat out of the bag or yeah, keep it do quiet? It. You sure? Yeah. Well, uh, do we know for sure there's going to be a Texas Western jersey? Yes, that was one that I threw in there. But you know that they've, they've so they already said a announced throwback. that. They said no, no, a throwback. I don't think it's going to be a Texas Western throwback anymore. I think they're changing mm. it up. So then that might be that sixth one. Yeah. Okay, so that might be the sixth one because they said that there, there's going to be a similar Texas Western jersey as years before. So okay. I would assume that it's going to be just the same one that Nike's launched, but uh, with the Adidas twist. So here's what I heard. Okay, here's what I heard. You ready? 80s throwback to that, like, uh, like powder blue and orange. Back in the day when, like, you know, you had uh, teams with, uh, you know, Jeep Jackson, um, J- uh, Juden Smith, Kent Lockhart, Fred Reynolds, Pony, Lester Goodwin, later on Antonio Davis, Dave Feitel, um, Tim Hardaway, Greg Foster, those jerseys. I believe that's part of the mix this year. Now, I don't know. That jersey might be replacing Texas Western. We don't know for sure if even Texas Western is going to be part of this look right now. Maybe they maybe they go '80s retro throwback and they don't and they don't roll out the Texas Western jerseys this year. I think you're uh, on to the sixth one because what I was told today was Texas Western. But, I mean, it could be – the person who told me could be wrong. Um, at the same time, uh, that would be awesome. If they went those 80s one, I yeah. love the Columbia blue. I love the 80s look. I love those – whenever we get a chance to see those throwback photos, I think that would be awesome. Plus, they did it for football, so it would make a lot of sense uh, to transition it and do it in basketball. Do you think they'll be uh, wearing nutters? No. You don't? Maybe. Well, I mean, if you're really going to truly What are go those? Back, I don't even know what that is. You don't know what nutters are? No. All right. Um, think about it. it. It's the 80s. Um, the short shorts were called nutters. That's so funny. Now do you understand what it is? Yes. Okay. I got you. Just making sure. I can say the word nutters, but I can't I can't break it up because, you know, it's a family show and uh let's just say they were um crotch huggers. How about that? Better? There I got it you. Is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but that's what those those are the jerseys. That's that's what they called them back in the early 80s. I wore them. We all did. If you grew up, hey, I we played if you played youth sports and you had to wear shorts, those were the jerseys. The short shorts, the super short shorts. 
Do you think the ladies going to the games would want to see basketball players wearing the early to mid-80s throwback shorts? Can we put that on the poll question today? Would the female UTEP fans want to see the return of Nutters in the 2023-24 basketball season? Uh, first off, Steve, the problem with this is we'd get 90% males voting on this because that's most of our followers on social media. I think the women but would chime I, in. But I would tell you this. I wear short shorts right now. Like, really? I, yeah. I mean, I wear. Sh- I don't wear shorts that go to my knees. Like, I don't do you I wear, wear shorts. That, do you wear shorts that almost ride up to the crotch? No. Because that's what this mine, was. Mine are like uh, five-inch seams. These are like three-inch seams. I see what you're saying. Uh, by the way, a lot of the um, newer age uh, likes the shorter shorts. So I've seen this look. Actually, Jordan Lathan sported shorter shorts with the minors. <laughs> Same with uh, jo- uh, Jordan Lathan. So uh, Jordan Lathan, Nigel Hawkins both did it uh, pretty recently. So, yeah, this is like, yeah, not a bad, not a bad uh, option, Steve. We should get this going. I love it. We got a line ringing in. Five oh five six zero zero nine. That's our telephone number. I think. I think. <laughs> I just got a text. It's the funniest thing ever. Um, I do believe that yes, plenty of um, you know female fans would love to see the return of Nutters for UTEP basketball season this year, and I need to ask that question to Joe Golding. That's you know what. That's the he has really the final say. And I would love to know if that is what will happen. But, yeah, we should put up on the poll. Do uh, female uh, fans want the return of 80s short shorts known as nutters for the upcoming basketball season? Um, you can weigh in on that at 600 ESPN El Paso on social, at 600 ESPN El Paso, or calling into the show at 505 6009 that is 505-6009. Gets you right on in and through to the program. So there we go. And that would be interesting um, if UTEP was to really go throwback. Because it's one thing to go throwback color and throwback design. But imagine if they tried to do throwback fit. Players would be putting these things on going there is no I guarantee you if you gave Zid Powell who was was modeling the shorts and the shirt today the, the new jerseys if you had him wear 80s UTEP look and right down to the the fit players would be looking around going there is no way these guys wore this back in the day and the answer is oh yes they did yes they did because everybody did that that was just the accepted look. Not until probably the mid to late 80s when the super baggy style went into play and suddenly the shorts got lower and lower and lower all the way down to the knees and below. It wasn't like that in the early to mid 80s. Not at all. So, anyway. Let's go to the phones. Let's find out if Gator Richard... Uh, used to wear uh, nutters back in the day when he was playing uh, rec sports in the early to mid-80s. Gator Richard, what's going on? Hey, how's it going? Can we talk sports now? Or well, you, you tell done? me. Do you want to? Uh, uh, you're talking about shorts. Yeah, I mean, were you ever, <laughs> did you wear the uh, short shorts uh, back in the uh, back in the 80s? Mm, 
No, not really. Really? I mean, you, when you played uh, youth sports, you never uh, you you were never rocking the short shorts. Actually, yeah. When I ran track, I had those. All right. I mean, look, it's it's the subject that let's be honest. Most guys are not proud of this. This is not something that you know you're going to really want to you know tell me. Oh yeah, I used to wear those. I loved them. I mean, most guys would probably be like, "Nah, we wore them because we had to." But, um, you know, that's why you don't see them much anymore because most, uh, you know, if you had a choice, they'll say, nope, we can't, that's too short, can't wear those anymore. So, all right, well, we'll, we'll continue this discussion and we'll table it until after your phone call. What else is going on, man? Well, Gators are playing this weekend. Oh, they are? Yeah. Aren't they playing every weekend? Well, they're playing Vanderbilt. Eh, that's not, that, that, that game doesn't count. Let's be honest. What do you mean? What do you mean? Vanderbilt is, I mean, yeah, they might be a second-tier SEC team, but They're, I would I would stack up a Vanderbilt against pretty much anybody uh, in, in that American conference where uh, UTEP plays. Well, first off, um, listen, you can't compare SEC football in any capacity to, to CUSA, all right? But Vanderbilt's 0-2. They're 2-4 and in the league, and that's not a I mean, that's, I don't know. You can say all you want about Vandy football, but you know that should be a W. Should be a dub for Florida. It's at home. It's in the swamp. Look, you've got here's the crazy thing about the Florida schedule. You got Georgia the following week, then Ole Miss, then Auburn. That's going to be the tough part of the schedule. Oh yeah, well there's a bye week right before uh, the Georgia game. Okay, there always is. So um, no, there's not. They no? play Georgia on uh, okay. next. They play Georgia um, next. I'm sorry. You know what? I'm looking at the wrong. My apologies. You're right. I'm looking at the Vandy schedule. That's awful. That that's that's inexcusable. Uh, they play Georgia the 28th. So that's that's correct. They do have a bye week for that. After, right after South Carolina, they've got the bye, and then they play Georgia at home. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, because uh, all else fails. I mean, the Gators got to give go all in on that Florida-Georgia game, yeah. playing at a neutral spot and, uh, you know, in Jacksonville. and be a fun game. So it's so always, always a big game. That's a fun game. I agree with you. I do agree. The, world, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Yeah, I would like to go to that one of these years. That would be fun. Yeah, you got to go like midweek or right. at least Tuesday. The whole week is, is a big party. Maybe I'll, go with you. Maybe I'll go with you. There you go. I mean, you probably. Well, I mean, you know all the spots. Well, I used to know all the spots. I'm, I've been here forever now. Well, that's all right. You'll go back, and you know, once you're back in your element, I'm sure it'll be just like old times, and it'll be fun. You know, that'll be good. We'll have a good time. That'll be nice. I probably won't even come back to El Paso. I'll be staying there after that. There you go. So, all right. What? Not this uh, stuff that UTEP's putting out. Yeah, trust me, the UTEP stuff is is not has not been. There's there's not even. To be honest with you, it's it's been difficult. Uh, tough to talk about. Tough to talk about right now. And I appreciate the call. Uh, I know uh, Richard was wanting to get into that. He's probably figuring I'll save the best for last, but I'm, I'm going to let him off the hook today. So we're going to just go to Charlie 1 at 18 past the hour. Come back with more in a moment. A lot more takeaways, though, from the UTEP basketball discussion, including their sellout initiatives and what they're going to be doing. We'll talk more about that coming up. But first, let's go to Charlie 1 and get this traffic update. Uh, are you a fan of the new UTEP basketball Adidas jerseys? 82 votes are in so far. 58.5% say, yes, I like them. 41.5% will say, no, not a fan of them. 
You got another two hours to vote. Please do so. Um, I'm looking at some of the comments from Leo underscore Miners fan. He messages into the show and says, I actually like the way this orange looks. I've never been a fan of the V-shaped neck style, though, at any level of basketball. I've always liked the more rounded style. Fake Dana Dimes chimes in on the program. Slick. Love them. Joe. Miss the old orange. Bright orange. That's from Joe. You can vote. Uh, and, and again, we'll keep checking back on the poll um, and see if, in fact, that's part of it. Uh, also from Leo, it would be criminal if they didn't have a Texas Western jersey. But maybe a year off for a throwback 80s, early 90s. I don't know. Um, there we go. Let's see here. Anyway. Um, I'm looking at some of the other tweets uh, coming in on the show. In fact, um, Jim Center was there today for the uh, UTEP uh, basketball press conference. And no, um, he did not address the football situation. In fact, this was not a football press conference. It was a basketball press conference. And Jim was not uh, asked about the current state of affairs with football because he was busy with the basketball program, primarily Joe Golding and Keith Adams. Keith had a lot to say today. Did you notice that, Adrian? She, uh, uh, she had a long, uh, you know, a long talk to people that were there, talking about how uh, she's got 14 new players out of 15 on the roster. The only player she inherits is one player from Wichita State, who was with her last season, and said that she likes her team, but... Uh, not to expect, uh, you know, instant success out of the gate that normally it will take a little while for a team of uh, 14 new players that have never been uh, coached by her to at least gel so we can see what they're made of. Yeah, because even though my Mari Petrie, uh, Aaron Wilson, Adele Tack returned to the team, they're not familiar with the system that uh, Keith Adams runs. And so that's important is they're almost like newcomers themselves, even though they're familiar with UTEP, the university, the fan base, and all of those kinds of things. But I thought her approach was great. I, I mean, you know, for Joe Golding and for the men's basketball program, I feel like we know a lot about that team right now. I'm just ready for them uh, to get on the floor and lace them up. For the women's basketball team, there was still a lot of unknowns because they were building out their roster throughout the entire summer. Uh, we barely got their ro- you know, their full schedule about a week and a half ago, so I, I felt like it was warranted. It-, it felt like a State of the Union speech from Keitha Adams today, and I thought she uh, said some really cool things, including shouting out her former player, mm-hmm. Kayla Thornton, uh, El Paso and Irvin High School graduate, who is going to be playing in the WNBA Finals against Las Vegas. She plays for the New York Liberty. Uh, so what a cool thing that is for our community to watch. Here's that audio in case you missed it earlier, folks. Back, and I need you all to be back. And we need uh, to get our basketball mojo going over there, and that's with the fans. So please understand the importance that everyone plays in this. This is a big city. There's a lot of Meyer fans. If you've not been coming to the games, then uh, I just want to encourage you to get up off your couch and get out there and get behind our teams because we need you. I do think there's a really big, big story for our women's basketball program right now that I want to start off with. Um, This is a unique, this is the first time in my coaching career. Um, I don't know, I've asked a couple of our SIVs to do some homework on this. I'm waiting on that feedback. But um, 
One of our former players, Kayla Thornton, who is from El Paso, Texas, graduated from Urban High School, played for me for four years here at UTEP. She is playing with the New York Liberty, and they are starting their WNBA championship against the Las Vegas Aces this Sunday. And uh, to have a player that's playing at the highest level and on the highest stage at the biggest moment is a really big deal. And so uh, if you've not watched WNBA games this summer um, and you've not followed it, uh, everybody in El Paso, you need to tune in. You have one of your own local, local young ladies. She's a 915 girl uh, that has played for UTEP and, and graduated from here that's going to be playing Sunday with the Liberty. They play at 1 o'clock um, in Las Vegas. Game 1 and 2 um, and 5 will be in Las Vegas, and then Game 3 and 4 will be in New York. And so I want to encourage everyone uh, to tune in on that. And also, while you're doing that, just think about the minors and how all this can connect. It all does come full circle. So we're really proud of Kayla. We want to wish her good luck and uh, have some fun. Um, we've got some news coming down the pipes with some future games, what we're going to do uh, to celebrate that moment uh, with El Paso and support Kayla. Good stuff from Akitha earlier today. By the way, I believe, and this is, I haven't looked this up, but I just think off the top of my head, the last time a former UTEP player was having an opportunity to win a ring and won a ring was Greg Foster with the Lakers the year he played with Kobe and Shaq. And I think that was the last time a former minor was in an NBA final situation. And as we said earlier, Greg won a ring that year with the Lakers. That makes a lot of sense right there. And that would be, I mean, gosh, what a great milestone that is for the program, also for the city of El Paso and for Kayla. She's really grinded her way through the WNBA. Remember, at one point, she was actually out of the WNBA playing overseas and then found her way back, uh, really found herself as like a 3 and D player in Dallas, and then she was traded away from Dallas to a contender like New York, which, by the way, they've got a juggernaut of a team. Not like she starts every game, but she's coming off the bench and contributing in big ways. Kayla got her start in Israel. That's where she actually started playing pro ball out of UTEP. And then after Europe and Israel came back into the WNBA and the rest is history. So it's pretty remarkable when you start to look at her story and how she's turned into the player she is today. Hector from the Upper Valley joins us next. Hector, what's going on? How are you? Pretty good. Hey, man, I just want to uh, I've been listening to the show. Um, I'm glad they, they're going back to those 80 uniforms. Those are the days, man. I've always said that if the three-point line was in back then, Pony Goodwin would have shattered all sort of records. No doubt. He would have, yeah, um, he would have a record that's still going on today, for sure. Yeah, and then, you know, Adrian said about people camping out. That was back in the day to get uh, minor tickets for basketball games. You know, when Utah or BYU would come into town or when they would set up those games like with Georgetown and Indiana, you'd better be out there camping out or you weren't getting in. Yeah, that's again, it was a different time, different era, but you're 100% right. If you were a student, that's the only way you were getting into those games. Very true. Exactly. And then the shorts, you know, I think it was the Fat Five, uh, the Michigan kids who, who brought those long shorts. After that, that's all you saw. But, I mean, those guys were, were good. 
Well, I sent a photo to uh, Adrian and also uh, Drew Bonney, who handles uh, you know media for UTEP, and I gave him a photo of Larry Bird, vintage, like probably 81 or 82, oh, yeah. shooting a shot where basically his shorts were right up in his crotch. And that is, I mean, yeah. that's, that's what we were used to. That's what, that's what everybody wore back in those days. You know, it wasn't even, it wasn't even a question, Hector. You still there? Ah. We lost him. All right. Hector, thanks for the call. He's right. That was it. I mean, maybe it was the Fab Five that brought those uh, the, the longer shorts in. After that, everybody started copying them. That could be the case. Could be the case. Um, because even if you look at the highlights, I think, of when UTEP beat Arizona in the 87 NCAA tournament, that was the year that Jeep was there and, you know, Quinton Gates and, and – uh, you know Hardaway and and that group when they when they beat Kenny Lofton and uh, Sean Elliott uh, in Tucson, I'm st- I think the short shorts were still going on back then, if I'm not mistaken. Nice, that's really cool right there. So yeah, all right. Bottom of the hour. Let's send it back to Adrian. He's standing by with this Sports Center update. Much one other sports talk poll that we did not mention the results because we had at the end of yesterday's show was if you had a chance to eat three double doubles from In and Out Burger in one sitting like Cade McConnell did in high school, would you? Uh, 53.3% said yes, 46.7% no, could never. So very close on that one. The three double-doubles in one sitting. Remember, Kate admitted that he does not get fries. He would just eat the three double-doubles back to back to back. And that was a meal for him back in high school. And, um, you know, really, you can't – that would be like – I mean, if you think about it, if he had like three green chili doubles uh, from Whataburger here – that's probably a much more filling meal because of how big those burgers are versus the double-doubles from in and out Yeah, it's a good point. I mean, he could probably rack those pretty easily in high school, and then uh, if you had to compare it to green chili doubles, probably couldn't Two. do the same. Yeah, he probably could not do that the same right there. And for Cade, uh, he also got somebody chiming in, Alfonso Frias. Once, he said that he once ate six Whoppers in an order of fries back in high school. So, good Lord. Uh, everybody's trying to one-up Cade. Uh, in and out, uh, you know, excursions that he'd have out in high school. Wow, six whoppers and an order of fries from Alfonso is that—that that is a uh, you know, that's a championship meal right there. I don't think I've ever. Eaten, I'm trying to remember, like when I was in either high school or college, I might have once had like two whoppers in one sitting, but even that was a lot back in those days. I mean, I can't yeah. even imagine six. Yeah, I feel like... How much uh, does Alfonso weigh in high school? Yeah, that's a good point, too. I mean, or, or maybe he's burning those calories like crazy. He's in some kind of sports. No chance. Not not, not six. Not six. Huh? What's your re- what's your record for, like, most fast food burgers in one city? I'm trying to think that... Uh, I don't think I've racked those. Like, I think pizza is probably something. Like, you know, yeah. Little Caesars, that kind of thing. With all, when you were in high school, you all uh, used to go... We all used to go to Little Caesars, or, I mean, uh, C. That kind of thing, or Little Caesars because it was cheap. Sometimes we would do the Peter Piper Pizza Buffet. So uh, those are probably the ones where we probably racked a lot. All right, no problem. Um, so poll questions are good. I do want to ask our listeners about Nutters. We'll find out if people would like to see these short shorts coming back in uh, college basketball and being worn this year, especially for throwback night. Like, apparently, according to Bonnie, he said the Lakers broke out the short shorts in 2008 for like one half. And then after playing in one with them in one half, they switched back 
to the regular longer shorts in the second half. Like they tried him out and said no, and then just went back to the old shorts in the second half. So uh, looking at, up uh, some of the teams right now, uh, teams like or guys, players like LeBron James wears five-inch shorts uh, seams. There are other players in the NBA who currently wear shorter shorts as well, like Tyler Hero, uh, Russell Westbrook, Kyrie Irving. So yeah, there actually are some certain modern-day NBA players who rock the shorter shorts. Five-inch uh, seams, is that what they wore in those days, or are those closer no, to like I th- three inches? I think what we're talking about in the 80s are much closer to three inches yeah I, I feel like that's the case too but um hey look you know once again anything to draw fans right seriously if you want to uh, maybe utep should have like a ladies night and then for ladies night they rock the short shorts this is so weird to talk about players like this well, <laughs> like college players i know i i, I <laughs> you know it probably would be a better story for nba yes, than for yeah. college i let's, like it for nba let's let's do that because yeah it is kind of creepy asking uh, 18 to 22 year olds to uh, to wear short shorts but uh, yeah. anybody in the nba that's a different story the professionals are getting paid millions of dollars so as far as we're concerned for the price they're getting paid hey you got to do what you got to do or an nil deal there you go, too. That's uh, that, that's not a bad idea. Hey, by the way, I, I am trying to work the NIL situation uh, for Cade. I was working on that yesterday, so I'm, I'm hoping that we can make some breakthrough for the uh, NIL discussion. That that wouldn't be bad. Uh, 37 past the hour, 505-6009 as we continue. Let me go into Cruz. He joins us next. Hey, Cruz, what's going on? Oh, not much, but. Hey, thanks for taking my call again. Sure, Cruz. Hey, I, I, I'd like for, to see them come back with those short shorts, bro. I still have some, <laughs> and I can start wearing them again. Really? I, you, I you've kept, you've kept your anyway. short shorts, huh? Yeah, I, I've got some. Uh, I've taken some to Goodwill, but uh, I still have some there, man, from when I used to box and also mm. played high school sports. I used to wear them, and uh, I used to go out and and do my love the lawn or whatever, wash my car, work on the car, and my kids were embarrassed because I'd wear them. <laughs> I like the fact that you gave something to Goodwill, so maybe if you head to the local Goodwill stores around El Paso or even Savers, you can find some of those uh, vintage uh, vintage items out there. That's not bad. I've actually heard, do you know years ago, I don't know if you ever heard this story, but I think it was years ago, Jordan Palmer, when he was still at UTEP, bought at Goodwill a T-shirt from the UTEP BYU upset in 1985. And he was excited. <laughs> like, he he had it on one day and we said, where'd you get that? He goes, I found it at Goodwill. So he was he was actually shopping there. Somebody brought in the 85, like, I was there shirt for UTEP BYU, or 86, whatever year it was, 85 or 86. And he picked it up, bought it, and started wearing it around town. Like, that was, that was a shirt he was proud of. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, I I used to wear those shorts when all these long shorts came out. I I wouldn't wear them, and I never have. And uh, <laughs> I I used to hear all kinds of comments about them. You know, but uh, good to see. I, hey, good to see you kept your shorts for that reason, Cruz. I mean, let's be honest. If you're most comfortable rocking the short shorts, you can't get rid of them. You got to hold on to them, right? Yeah, and and I, I take my dog uh, out for walks, and when I when I used to jog, and I'm going to pick you and just start jogging, that's more than likely what I'll wear, you know. There you go. Uh, how, how do the neighbors react to that? Uh, they, they, I see them smiling and laughing. <laughs> they, uh, uh, they, 
they know they're out of fashion and they rarely ever see them. But you still see a lot of ladies wearing short shorts anyway. You know, that many of them are, uh, have never stopped using them. And while we're on that subject, I'd like to say, hey, hey, all you ladies out there, we need you to call in. You know as much about sports as we do. You're just as good as we are. And we'd like to hear your opinions. I, I wish more ladies would call in because uh, they're, they're intelligent. Very much so. Cruz, appreciate the phone call. I'm with you on that one. We also wish uh, we would have more females calling into the show. Well, now that Cruz has made the appeal on the phones, maybe we'll get a few. So give us a call, folks. We've got lines available, 505-6009. That's our telephone number here on Sports Talk. 505-6009. Stay with us. Back with more in a moment. It's 600 ESPN El Paso. Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broaddus. All right, big hour as we keep things moving here on the show. We're going to get you ready for Thursday Night Football coming up here in a little more than an hour. And excited about that since uh, we have Washington and Chicago for you. Uh, there's going to be a busy week of uh, college games, some pro games as well. And uh, here to talk about it with us right now, Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. Lee, welcome aboard. Before we get going this week and talk about the, the games, what you have uh, here for us, let's reflect uh, on the news that just broke moments ago. Dick Butkus yeah. at the age of 80. Uh, when you look back on the greatest of all time to play the position of uh, linebacker on defense, uh, I know we always talk about LT, but before LT there was Dick Butkus. Yeah, I'm looking at his picture right now. i got about 30, 40 signed 8 by 10s and he was one of them. I mean, he and Gil Sayers, and I love Gil Sayers, and uh, respected Dick Butkus. Uh, think about many score stories you hear. I think Mick Tinglehoff was tell, talking one time um, about how uh, trouble snapping the ball because Dick Butkus was always uh, uh, spitting on the ball. And, <laughs> um, and then I think one time uh, there was uh, he got flagged or you know, many times for uh, by the officials, uh, the he would call out. He would start yelling "hut hut hut" to get the offensive line um, to you know to jump off sides. And the officials said, uh, "You know, why are you doing that?" He goes, "Oh, those are my defensive signals." So uh, <laughs> he had a good sense of humor. Was an incredible middle linebacker. So uh, probably only be a one or two down backer now, but uh, he'll go down as easily. Easily one of the top five middle linebackers of all time. One of my all-time favorite Butkus videos, and it's going around social today, is when there was a botched uh, field goal or extra point, and they ended up throwing it into the end zone. That's right. And he, and he, and he ca- caught it. Yeah, he catches it. That. And not yeah. only does he catch it against the Philadelphia Eagles, but then he takes the ball and essentially puts it right in the face of an Eagles yeah. defender who yeah, like yeah. slaps the ball out of his hands. It was hilarious. I mean, uh, He, he played know. right up to the whistle and passed that. So it's interesting. I don't know if I told you this. My daughter will be singing the national anthem for the Bears two and a half weeks in the game against the Raiders. Mm. And I believe that it's um, some type of throwback Veterans uh, uh, Day. And I know they're putting in a jersey. I'm wondering now if it's going to be a Dick Butkus jersey. Could be. Could be. Could very well be. be. Wow. Okay. Um, Let's get to it. And and by the way, before we start the games this week, um, you have uh, been doing it uh, all year long, but 34-12-1 over the last four weeks, 40-17-1 this football season, uh, off to one of your best starts ever. Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, 
it's our thirtieth year. We've had probably three or four times been at this level, and when you're at this level, I mean things are really clicking. And uh, last four months, last four weeks to go, thirty-four, twelve, and one is almost unheard of. So mm-hmm. if they'd like to come on board. You know, now's the time. We don't call it October here. We call it Locktober. You get four weeks. Next four weeks, where you're going to get ten to fourteen games a week, ten to fifteen games a week. Just two hundred ninety-seven dollars. Check it out. We can't talk about every single game, you know, that's on the board. Uh, a bunch of other videos. So let's say you want to see a video of like Georgia, Kentucky, or Ohio State, Maryland, or uh, some of the other big pro games. Check out those videos at the website ParamountSports.com. Excellent. We'll get started right now with number fifteen, Oregon State visiting Cal. Uh, Oregon State nine and a half point road favorites. They're off to a terrific start this season. Uh, you tell me. You've probably watched a lot of uh, the Beavers so far. Are they legit? I think that they are. You know what's what's crazy is sometimes it's like like the uh, the fourth and one call where. They made it look like they brought the two running backs right behind the quarterback. Great call. They faked it, and they pitched it outside, goes for a touchdown. That's amazing. But what was baffling to me was late in the game, you know, they're, they're up by two touchdowns, and they're throwing the football around. Just didn't get it back to almost one. I think one of the passes was almost intercepted. So they got to clean that up. You don't expect that from uh, a head coach uh, who I think – has some veto power and calls some of the plays and just shocked that they made some of those mistakes here. But Cal's improved. Um, the offense, we always know they can run the football, a little bit better passing the ball here. But just think that this Oregon State defense is really good. They just don't give up the big plays here. Also, special teams are special here. I think it'll be tight, but Oregon State pulls weight here. Something like thirty-one to thirteen. Next up, we've got number eleven Alabama visiting A and M. They're both four and one. They're both undefeated in the SEC. Um, this game was uh, two points uh, for the Crimson Tide uh, recently. It's now down to one, Lee. And yep. you tell me, uh, you've seen uh, a couple of versions of Alabama this season. Uh, Jalen Milrow is back at quarterback. What do you think happens uh, at College Station on Saturday? Well, both defenses have really stepped up since they lost the, their only game of the year. Alabama's defense giving up just 30 points of the last three games. A&M giving up just 28 points. On paper, it looks like 35, but one of those touchdowns was by the offense, a strip of the running back, and score by Auburn. So just 28 points the last three games. And what I think is better competition, facing Auburn and also Arkansas. Arkansas is a tough team to shut down with their dual-threat quarterback, K.J. Jefferson. So the two best units, I think, on this field, and, and I don't remember the last time I could say this, I think both belong to A&M. Their run defense here has just shut down Auburn cold and, like I said, held uh, K.J. Jefferson in check. They got like five five stars on that defensive line. They go eight, nine deep. And then also the receivers for Texas A&M. They got three guys, I think, that will be playing at the next level. Max Johnson, his experience, I think, is huge here. And then uh, uh, also A&M, 3-0-1 against the spread. Last four is a home underdog. Give me Texas A&M. Wrong team favorite here, 24-20. 
That'll take us to the Red River rivalry out there at the Cotton Bowl. Both teams are undefeated, 5-0. and Both are 2-0 and in the Big 12 before they move over to the SEC next season. Talking about Texas and Oklahoma. Now, the Longhorns were favored by 6.5. It's down to 5. So, Lee, there's money going down on Oklahoma and Dylan Gabriel right now. And I wonder what this spread will be when we get to kickoff Saturday morning. Yeah, I think Oklahoma's offense is good. They don't have any running back or receiver that really scare you. Just a lot of pretty good guys would be good, really good backups or maybe starters on, on mid- and lower-level teams. Uh, whereas I just think that this Texas team, they are loaded. I mean, you saw, and they played the tougher competition by going into Alabama, what they can do when they're playing at a high level here. I'm just not so sure. I am sure about Oklahoma's offense. I think it's good. I'm not sure on the defense. They gave up 30 points per game last year, and every quarterback they've played so far this year is not even the top 75 as far as quarterback ratings here. A bunch of quarterbacks not great at reading defenses and and also a couple quarterbacks that came over in the transfer portal. I I just think Texas is the right side. I think they pull away late 34-24. Let's move over to the NFL right now with Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com. Our next game will be played in Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London. It'll be the Jags and the Bills. Uh, Jacksonville is 2-2. Two and two. The Buffalo Bills are 3-1. and one. Uh, The line right now is Buffalo minus 5.5. And, and after what they did to Miami last week, it's hard to see this team slowing down. It is, and and a lot of people will say, well, Jacksonville has a little bit of an advantage. You know, they stayed over there in London for the week. Yeah, that's somewhat of an advantage. Uh, get acclimated to the time change, but Buffalo's on a mission. I mean, their defense came to play and didn't look good, great the first couple series, and then just shut down this Miami team. So something's wrong with Jacksonville. I mean, I'm just watching this team here. They just commit key penalties here, not much of a runner here. Everyone thought that they'd be much better with Calvin Ridley throwing in this offense here, but not the case. I think their defense got lucky playing an Atlanta team that just can run, can't throw the football. Uh, they got a bunch of turnovers in that game. That led to an easy win. But you know, how do you stop Josh Allen? He's almost unstoppable last three games. This last game against Miami, threw for 320 completed 84% of his passes, five touchdowns, perfect 158.3 passer rating here. And Stephon Diggs looks almost unguardable here. I'll keep riding Buffalo, 31-21. Final game that we're going to talk about, Cowboys and Niners. It's the Sunday night game from Levi Stadium in Santa Clara. San Fran undefeated at 4-0. The Cowboys only blemished that loss to uh, the Cardinals, coming off a big win over the Patriots uh, last week. Uh, this is another one. Uh, this game was as high as uh, three. Now it's up to four. So more people yeah. are betting on the 49ers to beat the Cowboys. Lee, what do you think? Yeah, people don't realize this. A lot of people don't. That San Francisco was won 14 straight regular season games. <laughs> That's pretty impressive. And at home, 15 to 17 at Levi Stadium. In fact, in Brock Purdy's last nine home starts, they've won by at least two touchdowns in eight of those nine starts. That is domination. Christian McCaffrey, um, one of the best all-purpose backs we've seen in a long time. At least one or more touchdowns. 13 straight games. What does Brock Purdy do? He distributes the ball to playmakers. 
He'll get the ball to Christian McCaffrey. Swing pass. He'll go for 15, 20 yards. Debo Samuel, he goes for 25, 30 yards. That's the mark of a team that knows what they're doing here. They don't try to force things. They don't try to throw the ball downfield unless they have a big advantage here. And the Cowboys, I mean, in the red zone, that's the problem that they've had here. Uh, Just converted seven of 19 trips inside the 20-yard line. That is not going to be good enough to have any chance to beat this San Francisco team that's loaded, really does not have any perceived weakness here. San Francisco knocked out the Cowboys last two years, 19-12 to and 23-17. They win again, 28-17 over Dallas. You know, Dak Prescott has never lost to the 49ers during the regular season in his career. Right. That's an interesting. That's an interesting trend, and he's never beat the 49ers during the postseason. Makes no sense. <laughs> no, it's 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 pretty crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You talked about October and uh, how you've been yeah. doing all year long, especially the last four weeks. Uh, you got a good free game that you're going to be talking about too for you college fans. One of the better early morning games of uh, top 25 teams here on Saturday. Yeah, should be a really good game. They want to get that to LSU and, and Missouri early ball game. Uh, Bloody Mary game. Uh, it's going to be played, start kickoff at uh, 10 a.m. your time. Anyone wants to get that game, we'll give it away free. First 10 callers call 800 400 9741. We'll give them LSU Missouri on me. Um, Missouri's undefeated. A lot of people don't realize that. LSU, uh, they got to get back on track after giving up 55 points to Ole Miss last week. So you want to get this game, call 800 400 Nine seven four one. First ten callers get it for free. Eight hundred four hundred nine seven four one. And like I said, it's not October here at Paramount Sports. Call it Locktober. Entire month of games. Four weeks of games. Just two hundred ninety-seven dollars. Also, the UFC is back this week. You can get uh, five selections, thirty-five dollars. Or baseball. Since September first, for forty-two and twenty in baseball, get through the World Series. Just ninety-seven dollars. One place. ParamountSports.com. Good job as always, Lee. Talk to you next week. Thanks for the time. Sounds good. Take care. Lee Sterling, folks, as we continue. Quarter past right now. Let's go to Charlie One and get ourselves another traffic update. So many great online tributes right now to Dick Butkus. Everybody has found all of his old NFL films, tapes, and uh, looking at some of those. John Facenda narrating them. I see Tom Landry talking about Butkus, Deacon Jones. Deacon Jones, one of the all-time greats who we lost uh, some time ago. Once again, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's truly uh, one, of the, one of those legends of sports. You know, it's really interesting, too, because you start to think about it. And, like, in baseball, the all-time, all-time greats, well, Willie Mays is probably uh, the oldest living legend still around in uh, Major League Baseball. But when you go to football, and Butkus uh, was 80, and you think about the all-time greats still around from the game. And I try to think about you know great players from the 50s and 60s. I mean, it's a short list that are still with us right now. I mean, I, I, I know that uh, some believe that Joe Namath was overrated because he played with the Jets, but he's still around. And I think Broadway Joe is probably around 80. Um, but... You know, there aren't too many left from that particular time period that dominated the NFL, Adrian, in those days. 
Yeah, think about uh, how we've lost icons like John Madden here recently and uh, faces of the NFL or, you know, at least of franchises like Dick Buckus. Uh, that's what makes it sad, you know, when you reflect on some of uh, the legends of American football who've really paved the way and really have shown us what this sport is really all about. Some of them are no longer with us, unfortunately. Yeah, it's really true. I mean, look, Jim Brown passed away t- uh, this year as well. Yeah, that's right. That's another great one. They're just there. Yeah, there. There just are not too many of those that are still uh, around in terms of some of the all-time greats. And you're right. There are definitely. Um, you know, we've lost quite a few uh, in the NFL in terms of just uh, players that were uh, as as good as it gets. And I know there there are obviously older players that are in the Hall of Fame that are still around. But the dominance of Butkus, I mean, that's, that's hard to find. It, it just really is. Because you can make an argument that Dick Butkus is uh, the greatest defensive NFL player of all time. Although LT fans would, would have something to say about that. And then, you know, you look at other great defensive players like Ronnie Lott, uh, more of the contemporary greats would, would probably, uh, there's, there's cases to be made for so many of them. But, you know, there, there's a college award called the Butkus Award. Think about that. I mean, that's, that's one of the awards that, that's handed out to the best, uh, you know, t- to the best defensive player in college football. Yeah, it's a really good point. I mean, uh, everything he did also off the field. You talk about the commentary. You also talk about uh, the things like, uh, you know, the acting that he did off the field. He's remembered for a lot more than just playing football as well. He is. I mean, when you think about best defensive football players of all time in the NFL, who comes to mind for you? Yeah, it's always going to be. I'm, I'm always thinking Warren Sapp, Aaron Donald. I think Aaron Donald's at that level for sure. I also yep. think LT for sure. LT has got to be number one for me, at least, uh, defensive player of all time. So, sure. I mean, I think that's where you go. You, you throw prime in there if you're talking secondary. You can. Uh, for sure. And uh, the, I think that's where my list at least starts. I mean, some will say Reggie White should be on that list also in terms of dominant uh, defensive linemen. You've got Rod Woodson. You've got Mean Joe Green, uh, Deacon Jones, Ray Lewis, Bob Lilly uh, of the Cowboys. I mean, there's a lot of great ones. There really is. Ed Reed is in that mix as well. Rod Woodson I would throw in that mix as well. Junior Seau could be in that one. Yep, line ringing in. 505-6009 as we reflect on uh, the great Dick Butkus and where you would put him among the all-timers uh, in the sport. I mean, the game was different, though. Like, I mean, when you watch the highlights of Butkus, he would try to rip your neck off. I mean, it's wild to see some of the stuff. And again, the game was so different back then because they pretty much let everything go. Players would bite, they would scratch, they would claw, they would tug and pull on you. The game was just, I mean, you got abused. But then again, think about this too, okay? Players were not as big, as fast, and as strong as they are today. But in terms of mean, I don't think the NFL players of the last 25 years have any idea what the game was like in the 60s and 70s, until you really watch Butkus highlights and see what he did to players. And I saw a video of him tackling a running back, Adrian, and as he's tackling the back, he is trying to twist the running back's neck 
off of his head. Yeah, I'm looking at. I've seen some of these highlights that have floated around as well. Floated around uh, as far as Dick Butkus, you see all the physicality. He was imposing that way, and half of those plays, uh, like Orley, who's calling in, um, those would not stand in today's game. Not even close. Not even close. Twenty-five pass. The sports talk continues. Let's go to Orley. He's joining us next. Two lines are open. Five zero five six zero zero nine. Orley, thanks for the call. Oh, today's athletes couldn't play like those guys. Those guys were mean. They, I mean, with all the regulations today, they couldn't get stuff they did. Uh, they were fun to watch. Uh, they were just physical. They would beat you up and beat you up again. It reminds me of the, uh, the punter they used to call in from Utah that passed away. When he said he gave me, you know, he hit you, hit you again until you liked it. Or oh, he was, was a kicker. That was uh, that was Bronco Bilicheski, the Bronco former uh, place kicker. Yeah. Yeah, that's how Buckus was. He was tough. And you mean today? If you did that to somebody today? Oh God, it'd be all over social media that he's a bully. He's mean. Uh, now that was just football. Well, and here's Good the amazing day. thing. You know what? Here's the amazing thing about Buckus. He only played the game in the NFL from 65 to 73, less than 10 years. In fact, when he retired, he was 30. I mean, that in a lot of ways, that's the prime of your career when you retire at that age on defense. Was he on the longest yard, the original one? Uh, I, I don't know if he was in that one. I or thought... It was you know, that one or, or the one Brian's... Uh, you, uh, Brian's song? song. I, really I, don't, I know Butkus. I thought I thought Ray Nitschke was in the original Longest Yard. Yeah, but, Longest but, but Butkus, but Butkus yeah. might have been in the Longest Yard. It's it's very possible he was also in the uh, in the original, the original film, too. And remember, the reason yeah, he yeah. retired early was he had a knee injury. And in those right. days, you get a bad enough knee injury, you, you just, the medicine was different. You couldn't come back the way you can today. Um, by the way, he was in Brian's song, and he was uncredited in that. But, yes, he was in Brian's yeah. song. That is correct. Okay. That's right. Yep. Boy, I do have a good memory. Hey, hey, stop my memory at 65. Woohoo! There you go. All right, guys. Thanks for All the call. All right, guys. You have a good day. All right, Bye. you too. Appreciate that. Uh, Here is the NFL statement from Commissioner Roger Goodell. Dick Butkus was a fierce and passionate competitor who helped define the linebacker position as one of the NFL's all-time greats. Dick's intuition, toughness, and athleticism made him the model linebacker whose name will forever be linked to the position and the Chicago Bears. We also remember Dick as a longtime advocate for former players and players at all levels of the game. The Dick Butkus Award and his foundation honored achievement on the field and service to the community among high school, college, and NFL linebackers. Dick was a champion of clean sports. That's the greatest. As his I Play Clean campaign helped raise awareness about the dangers of steroid use among high school athletes. So, so it's different clean. It's not dirty in terms of playing. It was staying off of steroids. Okay, so there we go. Um, the NFL sends their deepest condolences to the Buckus family, the Bears organization, and the many fans and people he impacted throughout his life. So, yep. And by the way, appreciate the heads up. I didn't realize this too, but apparently also good to know 
that he was in Johnny Dangerously. So there you go. Johnny Dangerously. How about that? It's pretty good. So from Super Minor Minor, coming out of retirement, giving me a great text uh, saying that Dick Buckus was in Johnny Dangerously, one of the great movies of the 1980s. Was that on your list? Did you no. see Johnny Dangerously when you went through all of those movies last summer? No, I, I don't think he was. All right, too bad. That would have been a good one. Hey, bottom of the hour, uh, we've got one last uh, Sports Center update because we'll have the Dallas Cowboys update here at the top of our 6 o'clock hour. But Adrian has the latest as we continue. A 600 ESPN El Paso, if you want to get into us uh, here on social, uh, you can also call into the show 505-6009. In fact, um, I like it. Uh, I, we were asking you about the basketball jerseys from earlier Poncho uh, posted into the program at 600 ESPN El Paso. I like the new UTEP basketball jerseys, but I still think this is what the jersey and logo should always look like. And he had one of the classic Tim Hardaway UTEP 10 throwback jerseys that he posted. And that's a good one, too. So, yep, I don't blame you, Poncho. I think a lot of people really like those jerseys. Let me get a, a look at the poll question right now. According to the poll today... Uh, which has about another hour left, um, asking you, are you a fan of the new UTEP basketball Adidas jerseys? So far, nearly 60% say, yes, I like them. 40% not a fan of them. You can chime in at 600 ESPN El Paso and vote. We would love to get your vote, and uh, we'll register that as well on the program here today. Something we have not talked about yet, Adrian, and we need to bring this up. Last night on uh, CUSA Cossaction, uh, as we like to call it, big second half from New Mexico State. They were able to outlast FIU 34-17. Jacksonville State also polished Middle Tennessee State to, to keep their great season alive. 5-1 and one so far for Jack State. But... New Mexico State looked good in the second half. Diego Pavia looked good. Uh, FIU was right there with them until, really, the Aggies finally were able to pull away late in the third and fourth quarters and and, and win that one. Um, listen, I watched a lot of that game. FIU next Wednesday and New Mexico State on the 18th, they're both going to give UTEP a very hard time when the when the Miners go up against them. Yeah, and you can even throw Middle Tennessee in that mix too. Uh, first off, Jacksonville State five and one. They might win conference USA and not be bowl eligible. Yep. Can they play a bowl game against James Madison, knowing that James Madison is also not eligible for a bowl game, and they are also a really good football team as well? What, what would we they call? Both? What would we call that game? The this doesn't count bowl. I the mean, the FCS seriously. transition bowl. You I know? like that. Something like that. Uh, Middle Tennessee, by the way, they're 1-5, just like the Miners. They they kind of remind me of UTEP in a lot of ways. Uh, their fan base is out on that team. They're mm-hmm. out on their athletic department. You look at the mentions online, it reminds me a lot of UTEP. I think UTEP Zay posted that yesterday, and I was checking out some of the comments. It was really funny. Uh, Florida International, two interceptions, by the way. Uh, they drove it uh, twice inside New Mexico State territory. 34-17, not really an indication of how close that that game was uh but new mexico state you got to give them a lot of credit i thought they locked down defensively in the second half and they scored points when they needed to three and three is that football team right now by the way three and three that was and that was their first win in conference usa 
Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people before the season started overlooked that defense and thought and just wrote it off right away. And yep. I think what we're seeing so far is they're getting better. They're not good right now, but they're just getting better uh, as the season continues and they make plays, and that was important yesterday. If they beat Sam Houston State next Wednesday night at home, they will be 4-3 and three heading into their game against the Miners. And that's an important game for them. That becomes Huge. quickly uh, you know, one of those where you must win if you're in New Mexico State. You still have to try to stack up as many wins as you can because you don't want to be in a similar situation like the Miners. If you're backed in a corner when the losses start to pile up and you can't find the wins, then you're probably not going to be bowl eligible when the season's over. Listen, if they beat Sam Houston next week, there could be five or 10,000 Aggie fans showing up. There could be more Aggie fans than Miner fans in the Sun Bowl on the 18th. Yeah, that's reality right there. Sam Houston, by the way, bad football program. Uh, they're 0-4 on the season, so I, I like the Aggies' chances next week to go and beat the Bearcats. Let's go to Daniel. He joins us next. Uh, 36 past the hour. We are less than an hour away from Thursday night football. 6-15, the game kicks off between Washington and Detroit. Daniel, what's going on? Uh, not much. I'd like to talk about Dick Buckus. Please. Like you said, he might have been an animal on the field trying to kill you and murder you. And the craziness, but off the field, he had class. No doubt. No doubt about it. I mean, he played the game one way, and that was trying to kill you. Um, but you're right. And, you know, you never saw Buckus ever have that same mean streak after his football career ended. He was always a, a different individual and one of the most respected former players ever. So... You're right. I mean, looking at uh, you know the highlights right now of the way Butkus would tackle you, and uh, in cause fumbles and sacks and and everything else. Now and remember, he played only until 1973. He had to retire because of that knee injury in '74. So really, it's remarkable to see the impact he had on the game in really uh, what an eight-year period. But every time you watch the highlights of Butkus play. He is, uh, you know, he was a man among boys. Let's put it that way. Yeah, it was off the field like the TV career and how he was a gentleman in that. Yep. That's something that has to be admired. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Absolutely. Where, where do you put Buckus among the greatest uh, ever to play in the position? What do you think? I put him in the top 10. Yeah. Top 10 defensive player of all time or football players of all time? Probably a top 10 defensive player. Yeah. I, um, I I would go higher than that. To me, the only player that I put above Buckus is LT. I still think Lawrence Taylor is the greatest defensive player ever to play the game, but I put Buckus uh, right up there with him. Also, one more thing for you real quick. I was telling Adrian this. I had my eyes checked yesterday. They were fine shape, but no diabetic damage. Hey, that's good. Congratulations on that, Daniel. We're happy to hear that, man. Excellent. Excellent. And the reason I say that is because all the years I've had high blood sugar, so I was extremely nervous. Well, listen, good for you. Keep it up. And uh, now, uh, more than anything else, now that the uh, the results came back positive, you just got to keep, uh, keep everything regulated and keep everything balanced, okay? I do that. Thank you, Steve. Talk to you, Daniel. Uh, eight straight Pro Bowls for Butkus, 22 interceptions, 25 fumble recoveries in nine seasons. Think about that. Nine seasons, 22 interceptions, 25 fumble recoveries from a linebacker position. 
just dominant, physically imposing and a difference maker for the Chicago Bears. Think about how much defense also meant back then uh, when you're talking about his era. And, and uh, playing that defense, you had to really be a run stopper as a linebacker. Uh, that was obviously who ran the league. It was your running backs in, in that in the NFL. Now it's a pass-heavy league across the board, and wide receivers and quarterbacks are the ones who are mostly showcased. So to see somebody put up those numbers right there, that's just a, a dominant performance by him and what he was able to do on the field. When I think of the best Chicago Bears players of all time, the first two names that always come to mind, Butkus and Walter Payton. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. So you want to talk about it, folks? We can also reflect on uh, the great Dick Buckus, 505-6009 here on Sports Talk in our final 30 minutes of the show. Come back with more in a moment. It's 600 ESPN El Paso. And I believe in, when it's all said and done, Liberty will either be uh, the top team, second best team in this conference and playing uh, for a chance to win the, uh, the Conference USA Championship. I'm kind of interested also to see if Liberty will start playing better competition in the non-conference. Like next year they've got Campbell, East Carolina, Appalachian State, and UMass. And then, you know, you look at their their future schedules. That was the thing I'm noticing the most, Adrian, is will they test themselves more? They've got Army, Old Dominion, and UMass in 2025. Um, And then in 2026, Ball State, UMass, and Army – and in 2027, uh, they have nothing scheduled. I'm sorry, Coastal Carolina, UMass, UConn, and Virginia Tech. Don't you think, though, that if this program really wants to have a chance to get into the top 25, they'll start playing Power 5 schools more regularity during their non-conference, at least one of those during the year? So, yeah, I I think so. In in order to boost themselves uh, in in terms of their name, they're going to have to play some teams who have some notoriety behind them, or else it's just the same independent uh, schedule that they had before. But the other thing that I'll say with this, Liberty uh, pretty much has an open checkbook when it comes to their athletes. Athletics. They don't need to play money games. They don't need to play any Power 5 opponents other than just boosting their own uh, you know, schedule on their side of things. They're making so much money, Steve, and they have so much money. They have deep pocketbooks. They're paying their coach $4 yeah. million a season. So, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of competition, yeah, you want to play, uh, play the best uh, so you could try to be a top 25 team. But uh, financially, they don't yeah. need to. No, they don't. But I'm just saying that it's going to be hard for them to ever break into the top 25 playing those non-conference schedules, and even if they run the table in CUSA, they're never really legitimizing their non-conference portion. You're right. They don't need the paycheck, which is important to note, but if you want to really be taken seriously, go out on the road and go beat a Big Ten team or an SEC team or even a Mountain West team, for that matter. Just something, or the AAC, that just is better than what they have right now on their schedule. Yeah, I would say that you look at their 2024 schedule, the Appalachian State game on the road would probably be their toughest game on paper. They might have one of the worst strengths of schedules in the country. And UTEP pops up when you have, whenever you look up uh, worst, uh, you know, uh, you know, teams in, in terms of their schedule making, uh, how they fare against everybody else in terms of strength of schedule. UTEP's always in the bottom of those lists right there by default. 
fall because they play in conference you say well how about this cupcake schedule that yeah. liberty's playing in non-conference i mean app state's now in the sun belt but they're three right. and two so far this season so it's not exactly like they're going out on a limb and, and trying to play a power school no, not at all. I mean, East Carolina is the AAC team out of the bunch, but still, I mean, I don't, none of these teams are hanging banners and winning conference championships. None of these teams are in the Power Five conferences, and that's what we're t- trying to talk about right here. Yeah, you're right. Um, anyway, if you want to uh, get in on some of the discussion today, 505-6009, that's our telephone number, 505-6009, we'll get you right on in and through to Sports Talk. Uh, Meanwhile, just uh, taking a look at everything that uh, we've been talking about earlier today, Uh, one of the big things right now is our poll on the basketball jerseys. We're over 100 votes right now, but Adrian, still pretty much where it's been all show. 58% like them, 42% say not a fan. So we'll keep an eye on that and see if anything changes between now and the end of showtime. But you can vote on the brand-new UTEP Adidas orange basketball jerseys, which were unveiled today with Zid Powell uh, modeling them. Somebody did ask uh, if, in fact, there were names on the back. And the answer is no, no names on the back of these Adidas jerseys. Let's go to Eddie. He joins us next here on Sports Talk. Eddie, what's going on? Oh, not much, Steve. Just wanted to, you know, give my comments. Uh, as a Bears fan, uh, bummer bummer news about Dick Butkus. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me personally, the one thing I've always prided myself as a Bears fan is having literally the, the, the best middle middle linebackers of all time through through three different eras, Butkus, Mike Singletary, and Brian Erlacher. Yep, great point. And, uh, and uh, that, so that's one thing I really pride myself. So it's a big bummer, I'm sure, uh, Mike Singletary and Brian Erlacher are pretty bummed out today. Um, you know, the other thing I wanted to just comment on, I was I was at the New Mexico State game uh, last night, and, uh, you know, I'm just kind of curious, you know, if the Aggies, you know, continue to do as they do. And let's just say the the Miners pick up a win against FIU. You know, what do you guys think about the, the crowd that's going to be on a Wednesday night in El Paso? I think, you know, uh, 10,000, max 15,000. For the New Mexico State game? Yes. Man, I would be so disappointed if they have 10,000 combined between UTEP and New Mexico State. I think that if the Aggies beat Sam Houston, uh, and no matter what happens to the Miners uh, against FIU, uh, I don't disagree. I think there'll be five to 10,000 Miner fans max. But there's a really good chance that the Aggie fans will come and they'll outnumber the Miner fans for this game. Yeah, that's what we were talking about today, you know, me and my office mates there and... Uh... You know, it's like you said, I hope uh, I hope the fans show up because it would be a big disappointment if they didn't. So, Although, uh, I'll tell you what, for the Aggie fans, what an opportunity to know that you can go into the Sun Bowl and give your team a home field advantage. Well, that'd be, that'd be something wild, Steve. But again, uh, thank you guys for all you do. Great show. Appreciate you, Eddie. Two hours in the books, one to go. Cowboys update, top of the hour. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso.